0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to Bible Prophecy Radio. I'm your host, Albert Hardy. We have a lot to cover today, and that includes Ezekiel, chapter 38 and 39, Ukraine and Russia, World War III, Matthew 24, Revelation 18 through 20, and Daniel 12. I can't cover all that in one podcast, but... I want to point point something very odd and interesting in this out to all my listeners. So let's get started. In Revelation 18, I want to read about the fall of Babylon. And why Babylon? Well, you'll see as we go along. It's talking about the merchants of the world growing rich. The billionaires of this earth today, for example. That's what I think he's talking about here. Babylon was a symbol of having another God before the true God. The God of money, the God of wealth, and the God of status. Verse 1, chapter 18, Revelation. After all this, I saw another angel come down from heaven with great authority. And the earth grew bright from his splendor. He gave a mighty shout, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. That great city is fallen. She has become the home for demons. She is a hideout for every foul spirit. A hideout for every vulture and foul and dreadful animal, for all the nations have fallen because of the wine of her passionate immorality. The kings of the world have committed adultery with her, because of her desires for extravagant luxury, and the merchants of the world have grown rich. Unquote. This reminds me so much of chapter 50 in the book of Jeremiah. The Lord, this is verse 1, gave Jeremiah the prophet this message concerning Babylon and the land of the Babylonians. This is what the Lord says. Tell the whole world and keep nothing back. Raise a signal flag to tell everyone that Babylon will fall. Her images and idols will be shattered. Her gods, Bel and Marduk, will be utterly disgraced, for a nation will attack her from the north. That sounds really familiar with Ezekiel 38 and 9. And bring such destruction that no one will live there again. Where have we seen that before? Continuing in verse 3, Everything will be gone. Both people and animals will flee. In those days, the coming days, he says, says the Lord, the people of Israel will return home together with the people of Judah. They will come weeping and seeking the Lord, their God. They will ask the way to Jerusalem and will start back home again. They will bind themselves to the Lord with an everlasting eternal covenant that will never be forgotten. My people will have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray and turned them loose in the mountains. They have lost their way and can't remember how to get back to the sheepfold. Dropping down to verse 8. But now flee from Babylon. Leave the land of the Babylonians like male goats at the head of the flock. Lead my people home again for I am raising up an army of great nations from the north. They will join forces to attack Babylon and she will be captured. The enemy's arrows will go straight to the mark and they will not miss. Babylonia will be looted until the attackers are glutted with loot. I, the Lord, have spoken. Dropping down to verse 12, but your homeland will be overwhelmed with shame and disgrace. You will become the least of the nations, a wilderness, a dry and desolate land. Because of the Lord's anger, Babylon will become a deserted wasteland. All who pass by will be horrified and will gasp at the destruction they see. Is World War Three just around the corner? Well, maybe. I don't know. I have a lot of doubts about it. But there is hope for Israel, it seems to me. Dropping down to verse 17... The Israelites are like sheep that have been scattered by lions. The first king of Assyria ate them up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, cracked their bones. Therefore, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies says, the God of Israel. Now I will punish the king of Babylon and his land, just as I punished the king of Assyria. I will bring Israel home again to its own land to feed in the fields of Carmel and Bashan and to be satisfied once once more in the hill country of Ephraim in Gilead. In those days, says the Lord, no sin will be found in Israel or in Judah, for I will forgive the remnant I preserve. And then Jeremiah writes the Lord's judgment on Babylon, verse 21, chapter 50. Go up, my warriors, against the land of Meriatham and against the people of Pecod. Pursue, kill, and completely destroy them, as I have commanded you, says the Lord. The Lord is a warrior. And we can see that right there. Let the battle cry be heard in the land, a shout of great destruction. Babylon, the mightiest hammer in all the earth, lies broken and shattered. Babylon is desolate among the nations. It goes on in the chapter to detail the sins of Babylon. And God's not happy about it. In verse 33, he says, This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies says. The people of Israel and Judah have been wronged. Their captors hold them and refuse to let them go. But the one who redeems them is strong. His name is the Lord of Heaven's armies. He will defend them and give them rest again in Israel. But for the people of Babylon, there will be no rest. The sword of destruction will strike the Babylonians, says the Lord. It will strike the people of Babylon, her officials and wise men too. The Lord will strike her wise counselors and they will become fools. The sword will strike her mightiest warriors and they will panic. The sword will strike Uh, strike her horses and chariots, her allies from other lands, and they all will become like women. The sword will strike her treasures, and they will all be plundered. The sword will even strike her water supply and cause it to dry up. And why? Because the whole land is filled with idols, and the people are madly in love with them. Soon Babylon will become, um, or will be inhabited by desert animals and hyenas. It will be a home for owls. Never again will people live there, and it will lie desolate forever. I will destroy it as I destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring towns. There's nothing left there anymore but ash piles and piles of ash. It looks like a city. It's even laid out in 90 degree patterns. There are windows and doors that you can still see holes where they used to be, but there's nothing there but ash. All things have turned to ash. So in verse 40, again, he says, I will destroy it as I destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring town, says the Lord. No one will live there. No one will inhabit it. That sounds pretty final to me. Verse 45 Listen to the Lord's plans against Babylon and the land of the Babylonians. Even the little children will be dragged off like sheep, and their homes will be destroyed. The earth will shake with the shout Babylon has been taken. And its cry of despair will be heard around the world. This is clearly talking about the future. And it goes on in chapter 51 and 52. In verse 57 of 51, chapter 51, verse 57, I will make her officials and wise men drunk. Along with their captains, officers, and warriors, they will fall asleep and never wake up again, says the king, whose name is the Lord of Heaven's armies. Unquote. Today, Babylon is occupied by Saudi Arabia, Yemen, the UAR, Qatar, and that whole region right there with all the oil including Iran and Iraq and Kuwait. That whole region used to be ruled by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, and that realm was called Babylonia. These people were idolaters. Let's flip on back as a reference side trip to 2 Samuel chapter 23 and verse 6. These are some of the last sayings written and spoken by none other than David. He said, But the godless are like thorns to be thrown away, for they tear the hand of, or that touches them. One must use iron tools to chop them down. They will be totally consumed by fire. We don't believe that today. We believe Plato. Plato said that there's no such thing as annihilation. You're a spirit inside of you in your mortal coil and you will be alive forever and there's nothing you can do about it. But that's not true. God can destroy people and that means their spirit, their soul, quote unquote. There is no such thing as an immortal soul. You can search Genesis to Revelation and not find those two words together. The word soul just means life. It means person. It means an individual. It doesn't mean duration. It has nothing to do with being immortal at all. But continuing in Jeremiah 51 and verse 58 This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. The thick walls of Babylon will be leveled to the ground. Her massive gates will be burned. The builders from many lands have worked in vain, for their work will be destroyed by fire. In the King James Version, verse 64 says something like this, They shall be weary. In fact, it says that in verse 58 in the King James as well. Here's how it's put. Thus says the Lord, or saith the Lord of hosts, the broad walls of Babylon shall be utterly broken and her high gates will be burned with fire and the people shall labor in vain and the folk, the nations for the fire, they shall be weary. And then dropping down in 64, the same chapter, And you shall say, Thus shall Babylon sink and shall not rise from the evil that I will bring upon her, and they shall be weary. Now let's flip back to Revelation chapter 18. In verse 4 it says, Then I heard another voice calling from heaven, Come away from her, my people. Do not take part in her sins, or you will be punished along with her. For her sins are piled as high as heaven, and God remembers her evil deeds. Do to her as she has done to others. Double her penalty for all her evil deeds. She brewed a cup of terror for others, so brew twice as much for her. She glorified herself and lived in luxury, so match it now with torment and sorrow. She boasted in her heart, I am queen on my throne, and I am no helpless widow. I have no reason to mourn. Therefore, these plagues will overtake her, death and mourning and famine. She will be completely consumed by fire, For the Lord God, who judges her, is mighty. And the kings of the world, who committed adultery with her and enjoyed her great luxury, will mourn for her as they see the smoke rising from her charred remains. They will stand at a distance, terrified by her great torment. They will cry out, How terrible! How terrible for you, O Babylon, you great city! In a single moment, God's judgment has come on you. The merchants of the world, we mentioned them before, will weep and mourn for her, for there is no one left to buy her goods. She bought great quantities of gold, silver, jewels, and pearls, fine linen, purple, silk, and scarlet cloth, things made of fragrant thion wood ivory goods, and objects made of expensive wood and bronze and iron and marble. She also bought cinnamon and spices, incense and myrrh, frankincense, wine, olive oil, and fine flour, along with wheat, cattle, sheep, horses, and chariots, and bodies, that is, human slaves." The fancy things that you love so much are gone, and they cry. All your luxuries and splendor are gone forever, never to be yours again. The merchants who became wealthy by selling her these things will stand at a distance, terrified by her great torment. They will weep and cry out, How terrible, how terrible for that great city! She was clothed in the finest purple and scarlet linens, decked out with gold and precious stones and pearls. In a single moment all her wealth is gone, and all her captains of the merchant ships and their passengers and sailors and crews will stand at a distance, and they will cry out as they watch the smoke ascend, And they will say, where is another city as great as this? And they will weep and throw dust on their heads to show their grief. And they will cry out, how terrible, how terrible for that great city. The ship owners became wealthy by transporting her great wealth on the seas. In a single moment, it is all gone. In verse 21, he says, then a mighty angel picked up a boulder the size of a huge millstone and threw it into the ocean and shouted, just like this, the great city Babylon will be thrown down with violence and will never be found again, I think what I'm seeing here is two interventions. World War III may be just around the corner. I don't know, but if it is, God will end it. He is the only one who can end it because nuclear weapons will be dropped. They will be dropped on the oil fields of Babylon. That is Saudi Arabia, Iran, Iraq, Kuwait, Yemen, the UAR, Oman, Jordan, possibly even Israel. There will be such massive destruction that it will be worse than World War I or II combined it will be so bad that people will not be expecting Jesus to return and fix anything. They will have given it up by then. And that's why, that's why I believe Jesus said what he did in Matthew 24. Listen to what he said in verse 4. Don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name claiming, I am the Messiah, and they will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. You see, even World War III will go on for quite some time. It's not a day war, and it's over. Nation will go to war against nation, And kingdom against kingdom, there will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, but this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. But today, all we hear about is this rapture idea that we're going to be out of here. Well, no, not according to Jesus himself. Listen to what he says in verse 9. You will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. That doesn't sound like much of a rescue to me. That's not a rescue. That's death. You will be hated all over the world because you're my followers, and many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. Does that sound like a rescue to you, a rapture? Get us out of here and away from all of our responsibilities and trials and troubles? No, nope. He says, Many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end is the one who will be saved. That's in verse 13, Matthew 24. And the good news about the kingdom coming to fix it all will, and I added the coming to fix it all part, but the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. You see, do you remember when he said that he would come at an hour when you think not? Well, that's in verse 44 of the same chapter. He said, You must also be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. If you're expecting him now, and so are all your friends and all the Christians and the whole world are expecting him, then that cannot be the time when He will be least expected. That's the time when he's the most expected. So he's not coming until they will all think it's too late and will have given up on Jesus. And I'm here to say, please don't do that. Though the skies turn black from the smoke of the war, don't turn your back on Jesus. Stay with it until the bitter end. In verse 21, he says, For there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began, and it will never be so great again. In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive, but it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones that is, those who will be saved by enduring to the very end, which is what he said in verse 13. Then let's not forget verse 29. Immediately after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars shall fall from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then at last the sign of the Son of Man that he is coming will appear in the heavens. And there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth. And they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send out his angels. This is verse 31. See, the rapture doesn't happen until after the sky turns black. That's what he said. I'm. It's not my idea. It's his. He knows I don't without his word. But this is what he said in verse 31. And he will send out his angels with a mighty blast of a trumpet, and they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and the farthest ends of heaven. I'm going to explain something in verse 35 that I may not have touched on before heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. Now, how's that? How is heaven and earth both going to disappear? Does that mean every planet will vanish? Every star will vanish? All the galaxies will vanish? They'll just poof out of existence? Is that what God has in mind for all that work that he put into that? All those millennia of achievement i'm here to say no of course not no that's not what he's talking about here however imagine what the earth would look like from say the moon you're standing on the moon looking at the earth and now it's covered with a black layer of smoke in the atmosphere so thick it turns the earth black to the point where you can't see it from the moon so what's happened well the earth disappear. Now, what about if you're on the earth looking out at the heavens and this massive cloud cover blocks your view of the sun and the moon and the stars? What happens? What happened there? Well, heaven and earth will disappear. Heaven will also disappear from view from someone still on earth. Heaven can't see earth because it's covered with black oil smoke. Earth can't see the sun, moon, or stars because of this same black oil smoke cover. Now that is pretty clear, if you ask me. But in several places in the Bible, it talks about the return of the Son of Man, Jesus, will be like it was in Noah's day, like a flood. The people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up until the time Noah entered into his ship. Verse 38 of Matthew 24. People didn't realize until the flood came and swept them all away. And that's the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Why? Because people aren't getting themselves ready for that. They're getting ready for the rapture, thinking that God is going to just pull them out of there ahead of trouble. Well, no. That's not what Jesus said here. Read your Bible and believe every word of it. I thank you for tuning in today. And I hope to be with you again next week. And we'll try to wrap some of this up. But uh, as far as Ezekiel and uh, Russia and Gog and Magog and that war, I think it happens one time after the millennium because by this time in chapter 20 of Revelation, Satan is bound for a thousand years. That's verse 2 of chapter 20. He threw him into a bottomless pit, and then shut and locked him in, so Satan could not deceive the nations anymore until the thousand years were finished. And after that, he must be released for a little while. Dropping down to verse 7, Satan will be let out of his prison. He will go out to deceive the nations called Gog and Magog to every corner of the earth. He will gather them to battle a mighty army as numberless as the sand along the seashore. And they will surround Jerusalem, the beloved city. But God will win Again, he wins when Jesus comes down and starts his kingdom. For a thousand years he will reign and then Satan will be let out. Gog and Magog will be gathered again and they will surround the city of God's people, the beloved city, verse 9 chapter 20, Revelation. But fire from heaven came down on the attacking armies and consumed them. Then the devil, who had deceived them, was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet, who are already dead by this time. There they will be tormented, day and night, for ever and ever, that is, in everlasting contempt form, and ridicule and infamy. You can read Ezekiel twenty eight nineteen, where Satan himself dies the death. God will kill him. And also in uh, Jeremiah twenty three forty, it's the reputation that lasts, not them. They're gone. So anyway, this is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. You can go to my website, itellwhy.com, and check out the resources there. They're all free. I don't have anything for sale. So until next time, you can go to itellwhy.com. That's I-TELL-N-W-H-Y. And I'll hope to catch you next weekend. Thank you for tuning in.